Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring an offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. My name is Madison, and I'm out here asking people what they believe. What do you believe? That is a crazy, not crazy question. That's a very deep question. I believe in love. I believe in a faith bigger than ourselves. And I believe in Mother Earth. I believe three things. I believe there's what I know I don't know, what I don't know I don't know and what I know I know. I believe in doing anything that makes you feel somewhat accomplished. Life is precious and that um, we're here to help one another and build a better life for everyone. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have committed my life to follow him and it has totally changed who I am and made me a much better person than I would have been. here and it is your first time here. We want you to know we are so glad that you're here. Welcome. You might be here visiting in town because of the holiday. I know that uh, my three adult sons, they're all in transit right now coming home and mama's real excited that at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning we'll be filling up the back row up there again. And so if you are here and you're with family visiting in town, we're really glad that you're here. Welcome. If this is your first time, we want to say we're glad to have you with us. Well, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3 today. We are finishing up our series on Believe. We have been in this for 13 weeks. We have walked through all of the statements of our statement of faith. And if you've missed any of them, I would encourage you to go online and to watch the sermons. Um, we have our resource of our Believe Journal is online and this has been a really great, great series. And so we're going to be in Exodus 3. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give you a Bible right after the gathering. If you come to this room called the altar room, it's a room we pray for people in after the gathering. You can come. And we have Bibles there. They're free Bibles. They're really nice Bibles. The church has purchased them to give you as a gift. And so come get a Bible. We want to make sure everyone has a copy of the Word of God. So as we look at this passage in Exodus chapter 30, one of the things that's been a real joy as we've walked through the Believe series is I have received so many questions from you. So many people have reached out and asked questions about the topics that we've been looking at. And it's been a real joy to talk with you about your questions. And it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to not have it all figured out. It's okay to say, hey, I don't understand this or I don't understand that. Can you explain more about this? There's nothing wrong with asking questions. In fact, there's a lot right 
about asking questions. And I want to encourage you to ask questions. It's why we've encouraged you to go through this belief series in a group, to be able to talk about it with others in a group. Well, I thought it might be appropriate that as we finish the series just to really look at some questions we find in the Bible. And specifically, we're going to be looking at questions that Moses asks and about Moses' life as God was calling Moses. And so I would say in this way as we start to look at Exodus chapter 3, don't be afraid to ask six big questions. Don't be afraid to ask six big questions. Okay, so in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now stop right there and go, do you know, do you see here like Moses was just a regular guy? What is he doing? He's out on the west side taking care of animals. Does that remind you of anybody you know in this area? Like that's pretty normal for us in Modesto to go, yeah, we got friends on the west side taking care of animals. Right? Like that's normal for our culture right here in the Central Valley, agriculture and farming and livestock. He's out in the field and he's taking care of animals. Verse 2 And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Now, this now was not normal, right? He's doing something normal, taking care of animals out in the field, and now he's experienced something that is very unexpected, and this is very abnormal. This is not a normal moment, as he now sees that there is a bush, and it's burning, but the bush is not being consumed. The bush is not being burnt, and this is the Lord appearing to him. And in verse 3, Moses said, I'll turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. The way that's written sounds so formal. I'll turn aside. I'll turn aside. You know, do you have any Greg Poupon? Uh, you know, he, he, like, he, I'd be like, what? What's going on? I mean, you know, you see something, you know, you see something that's out of normal, and it's like, what? What's happening, right? What's going on? I'll turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. So I think what's important to recognize here is he's going to investigate. He's going to investigate what's going on. He sees something. It's not normal. He wants to know more about what's happening. He's going to investigate. And this brings us to question number one. And question number one, I would phrase it this way. Does God exist? Does God exist? You know, don't be afraid to ask this question. And don't be afraid when other people ask you this question. Does God exist? Verse four. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. So God sees Moses. He he caught Moses' attention, which is the whole point of the burning bush. God called to him out of the bush. I don't know about you. I've never had a bush talk to me, all right? So this would be very different. Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. 
And what is Moses' response? Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The very presence of God Almighty impacted Moses such to the degree he didn't even want to look. He was afraid to look. But more importantly, the question is answered. Does God exist? Do you think Moses has any question in this moment? Does God exist? As God, the presence of God shows up into Moses' life, calls out to him. He's in the presence of God. He doesn't even want to look. Do you think Moses has a question? Does God exist? I think the question is pretty clearly answered in this moment. And when God shows up into your life, that question is going to be very clearly answered. And when God shows up into your friend's life or your family member's life who's asking the question, does God even exist? The question will be clearly answered when God shows up. Because when God shows up, he makes himself known. And when God shows up, the question gets answered immediately because the presence of God answers the very question, does God even exist? Yeah, God does exist. And God has shown up into my life. And the presence of God showing up into my life has impacted my life tremendously. And the presence of God in your life, it impacts your life tremendously. Does God exist? Yes, God exists. Question number two, does God see my current situation? Don't be afraid to ask this question and don't be afraid when your loved ones are asking this question. Does God even see what's going on in my life? Does God even know? Does he see my current situation? Does he care? It's kind of like saying, does God even care? Does God even care about me? Verse seven, then the Lord said, I have surely seen Does God even see my situation? I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry. Does God know? Man, I've been wailing out to him. Does he know? Does he hear me? I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. Man, it has been so hard. Does God even know how hard it is? I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver. Is God even going to do anything about my situation? It is so difficult. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Is there anything better for my life? Does God see to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites? And now, behold, the cry of the people Israel has come to me. I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Does God see my current situation? Does God know what's going on in my finances? Does God know what's going on in my marriage? Does God know what's going on with my parenting? Does God know what's going on at work? Does God know what's going on in my extended family? Does God know what's going on in my neighborhood? Does God even see my situation? 
God sees. God knows. It brings us to the next question. Question number three, who am I? Who am I? You may have asked this question. Don't be afraid to ask this question. Don't be afraid to have your friends ask this question. Who am I? Who am I? What is my identity? What makes me, me? Who am I? Verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, but, and anytime you see but show up, that's an awesome moment because something really significant is about to change. But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Moses is asking, who am I? Who am I? What is my identity? Who am I? Why should I be involved? Who who am I? What makes me, me? And God answers the question in a really incredible way. Because the way God answers the question is not, here's who you are, Moses. The way God answers the question is, I'm going to be with you. So who am I? Who is Moses? He's a person that God Almighty is with. Who am I? I'm a person that God Almighty is with. The presence of God Almighty in my life It answers the question about who am I? What is my identity? What is my, what makes me, me? Well, God shows up and he's the one who answers that question. It's incredible. I'm a person God is with. And I serve God. He says, this will be the sign that I have sent you. When you have brought the people up out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Who am I? I'm a person God is with, and I serve God. Who are you? Are you a person God is with, and are you serving God? The presence of God answers this question. It's incredible. It brings us to question number four. Question number four, who are you, God? And don't be afraid to ask ask that question. And don't be afraid when the people you love, the, the people you're in relationship with, the people you're trying to reach for Christ are asking this question, who are you, God? You know, who is God? What is his character? Is he somebody I can know? Is he somebody I can trust? Verse 13, Then Moses said to God, if the people come, if I I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, well, what is his name? Who is God? What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. 
I am who I am. What is God telling us when that's the answer to who are you, God? I am who I am. He's saying, I exist. And I exist independently from you. I am who I am. I'm not defined by you. I'm not defined by anything else. I'm not defined by anything that's outside of me. I am who I am. Who are you, God? I am who I am. I'm defined by myself. I am who I am. And when you need validation for your life, for who you are, just know I am the one who sent you. And you tell people I am has sent me to you. Do you see how God uses himself to answer the question? Who am I? I'm a person that's with God. I'm a person serving God. Who are you, God? I am who I am. And I am is sending you. It's incredible. Incredible. God is independent of us, yet he acts to impact us in a way that changes our lives. He doesn't need us, yet he interacts with us to transform us and change us. I am who I am, and I am has sent me to you. Question number five, what is the purpose of my life? Don't be afraid to ask this question. Don't be afraid when the people that you love are asking this question. What's the purpose of my life? Do I matter? Do I have value? God said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. What's my purpose? Well, this is how you're going to tell people what your purpose is. The God of the generations, he's asked you to do something. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, he has sent me to you. What is my purpose? My purpose is I'm sent by the God of my ancestors, the God of the generations. He sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. What is the purpose of my life? I am being sent by God Almighty, and he wants his name to be known. He wants his name to be remembered throughout all generations. Then the instruction, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, he's appeared to me saying, I have observed you. Does God see me? I have observed you. And what has been done to you in Egypt? And I promise, wow, we see God now giving a promise. What's the purpose of my life? But God's got a promise. That I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. What's the purpose of my life? Does God have a good direction he wants to send me in? Does God have a good place he wants to take me? It's a land flowing with milk and honey, those are signs of abundance. And they will listen to your voice. 
What's the purpose of my life? If I'm sent out by God and I start talking to people about God, is anybody gonna listen to me? And they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now, please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. God has met with us. God wants us to serve him. God wants us to worship him. And we have a responsibility to communicate that. Is anybody gonna listen? They will listen to your voice. It's really incredible. To know God, to know who God is, to know his character, that's what I need to be able to actually know who I am. To know myself, to know my purpose. I actually need to know God because he exists and he's real and I need to know him and I need to know what he's like and I need to know what he wants because in knowing God, that he exists, knowing his character, knowing what he wants for my life, that I'm actually gonna learn who I'm supposed to be and what my life is supposed to be like and what I'm actually supposed to be doing. It's gonna be a direct result of knowing God. I'll then know who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing, my purpose. Which brings us to question number six. Will I fulfill my purpose? In other words, am I gonna mess this thing up? Am I gonna fail? Don't be afraid to ask that question. Will I fulfill my purpose, God? Or am I gonna miss this thing? Am I gonna miss out? And am I gonna miss the opportunity that you had for me? Don't be afraid when the people that you love are asking this question. Am I gonna fulfill my purpose? Am I gonna do what I'm supposed to do with my life? Verse 19, very interesting here. God now says, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go. So he sends Moses to do a job and God already knows the king is not gonna let him go. Unless, and oh, it's so cool when God shows up with an unless. It's like, here's how the world is screwed up. Unless, unless what? Unless compelled by a mighty hand. In other words, God gets done what God wants to get done. Unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and I will strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and for gold and for jewelry and for clothing. And you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. And so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Am I gonna fulfill my purpose? Well, you're gonna go and they're not gonna work with you, but I'm gonna stretch out my hand and I'm gonna get it done. In other words, God, am I gonna fulfill my purpose? Yes, God is gonna fulfill my purpose. Are you gonna fulfill the purpose for your life? Yes, God is gonna fulfill the purpose for your life. God is gonna get it done. And so I wanna submit to God. I wanna submit to what he's doing because he has something he wants to do. He wants me to know him, know his character, find out who I'm supposed to be, find out what I'm supposed to be about, find out what my purpose is, and then he wants me to submit to him because he wants to actually get my purpose done. It's incredible. Incredible. God promises fulfillment. And we see that throughout the scriptures, that God promises to get done what he gets started. 
God's really good at completing the task. Some of us may not be very good at completing the task. Like we start stuff, like we're really good at starting stuff, but like we're not real great at finishing things. God's super good at finishing. He gets done what he starts. And the good work that he's doing in our lives, he's gonna bring it to completion. So I would encourage you that life's biggest questions, they, they find their answer in Jesus Christ. And don't be afraid to ask big questions and don't be afraid when the people around you are asking big questions, but they find their answer in Jesus Christ. In John 14, six, Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And when people around you, when you're asking these questions and people around you are asking these questions, don't be afraid of them. Man, I'm trying to find my way, Jesus is the way. Man, I'm trying to find the truth, Jesus is the truth. Man, I'm trying to find my purpose in life, Jesus is your purpose in life. Man, I'm trying to figure out how is my life gonna have eternal value? Jesus is how your life is going to have eternal value because no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. When these questions are being asked, don't be afraid to bring Jesus into the conversation because Jesus is actually the answer that you need and Jesus is actually the answer that the people around you need. And guess what? Sometimes it's not easy. We've got this vision for our church. Love your actual neighbor. Not every situation is easy. Some situations are hard. As we've brought this vision to our church family, I've had a number of conversations with people going, man, my neighborhood's rough. I'm trying to reach my neighbors. I think they're possessed by demons. It's not, it's, it's not easy, it's been hard. Yeah, let's look at a passage that Jesus says, yeah, it's hard. Let's look at it. Luke chapter six, verse 27 and 28. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Look, if this was easy to do, we wouldn't be trying to cast a big vision for our church to go do it. It's hard. It's hard. This is a big old God-sized vision, which is why we've called it a God-sized vision. Disciples making disciples making disciples to go out, love our actual neighbor. It's not gonna be easy. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna take hard work. It's gonna take the right tools. You know, I was thinking about having the right tools this week, and I don't know about you guys, but you know, my wife and I have had moments before where... Uh, you know, we're working together on a house project or, or something, and um, let's just take hanging pictures, for example. And my wife and I were trying to hang something on the wall. Don't know if you've had that experience before, but basically hanging pictures on the wall in my house is like preparing to get divorced. <laughs> There's moments when we've got done trying to hang pictures, and it looks like I've taken a sledgehammer and put holes in my wall, and I'm like, how is it possible that there's a hole that is bigger than the picture we were going to hang? And you know what the bottom line is? We were trying to do a job and we were using the wrong tools. But sledgehammer is a great tool when you need to break things up. I asked my friend Josh if I could borrow his sledgehammer for this illustration. So it showed up at my house this weekend on my doorstep and my wife says, why is there a sledgehammer? I said, well, there's a few walls and windows I don't really like in our house. I thought I'd maybe take them out. No, I'm just using it as an illustration. 
There was years ago, a family in our church, Dave and Susan Schwartz, they were redoing the tile in their house, which basically meant they need to get rid of the tile that was in their house. And they said, hey, Joel, he looks tall, he looks strong, maybe he'll come swing a sledgehammer. So I went and got to their house and I spent an entire day just swinging a sledgehammer to break up all the tile. And in that moment, a sledgehammer was an awesome tool to use. And it was really fun to destroy someone else's house. I really had a great time. I was pretty sore the next day, but it was a lot of fun. A sledgehammer is a great tool when you need to destroy something. Having the right tool is important to do a job. Well, when it comes to loving your actual neighbor, I'm not suggesting you beat them over the head with a sledgehammer. I don't think that's actually the right tool for you to use. But there is a tool you need to use that's the right tool for the job when it comes to loving your actual neighbor. And that tool is prayer. To get down on your knees and to begin to pray for your neighbor. To get down on your knees and to be able to pray for your neighbor. Because there's actually a tool that you need to use to reach your neighbors for Jesus Christ. And that tool is prayer. Prayer is wartime communication. Prayer is the way we talk in the battle. And our neighbors need us to be praying for them. That God might open up an opportunity for us to share the gospel with them. And I've been sharing for a number of months now, I've been praying for my neighbors by name. And I want to share with you the way I've been doing that. I found this tool called Bless Every Home. It's a website, it's an app. And basically what it does is it just takes the public information that's on all of us, and if you didn't realize that your information is public, then welcome to America, all right? (laughs) But it takes the information that's public about all of us And it lets you pray for your neighbors by name. That's it. It just shows you your neighbors' names. And so I went up and I signed up for Bless Every Home. It was super simple. Just went online, signed up. In fact, there's some slides here that are going to help you do that. If you want, you can go to blesseveryhome.com. You can sign up. We, we, We started our church as a church that's on this website. So you can sign up as, hey, I'm I'm a part of Big Valley Grace Community Church. And once I signed up, it gave me an opportunity to draw a line around my neighborhood. So I drew a line around my neighborhood and created a perimeter around my neighborhood for where I wanted to pray. And every day it sends me an email, or however often I want it, and it gives me five neighbors to pray for, and it tells me where they are in my neighborhood, and it tells me their name. And it gives me a verse, and it says, here's how you can be praying for their neighbors today. And I want you to know, it's really impacted me to start praying for my neighbors by name. I began to realize how little I have been praying for my neighbors. I began to realize how simple I've been praying for my neighbors. I began to realize there's people in my neighborhood I know and I haven't done anything to even talk to them. This has been an incredible tool in my life to help me just simply grow in praying for my neighbors. 
And I just wanted to share it with you because maybe God's going to use this tool in your life too. Maybe you're going to sign up at Bless Every Home and you're going to start praying for your neighbors by name. And maybe in the same way, God's used this to really impact me, really impact my heart, to really grow in learning the right tool for my neighborhood, which is prayer, to really learn how to use the right tool and to pray real specifically. And it's been interesting because the, you know, the, the site lets you kind of track how, you know, how many times you've prayed for each house and if you've had an opportunity to, to share with somebody the gospel, if, if somebody comes to Christ, it's, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool tool. And um, you might go, hey, that's going to be something that's really going to help me too. And if so, I just want just to share that with you, that you might start using it too. You know, we've got a, a great opportunity that's in front of us, and that's the Christmas season. And you were handed this invitation on the way in, and we've got all of these services through the month of December. We're going to be very, very intentionally sharing the gospel in the month of December. And I would challenge you, to, did everybody get one of these uh, on the way in today? If you've got one of these, just hold it up. Because I want to give a very specific instruction to the one that you're actually holding. I want to challenge you to take the one you're holding, the invitation you're holding, I want to challenge you to hand it to somebody this week. That this actual invitation you would hand to somebody this week and say, hey, my church is doing some great stuff in December. We'd love for you to be a part and personally invite them to church. As we go through the month of December, um, we're also gonna make available some resources and this is one of them. It's a, our series in December is called Peace. But uh, this is a, a picture book. Let me see if I can do this. There we go. It's a picture book with scriptures and, and, and it's just really beautiful. I have used this with my children at nighttime to read to them just about the story of Christ. You might want to use a resource like this in your family. These are available in the nook. I found it profitable to read the scriptures and to read the historical accounts with my own children. And you might want to do something like that in your home. But I want you to know, we just have an incredible opportunity here. And it begins with prayer. To pray, but to invite. To pray and to invite. And prayer is the right tool for us to use right now to go love our actual neighbor and that following up that prayer to go and say hey I really would love for you to come and be a part of Christmas at Big Valley Grace I'd love for you to come to my church with me let's stand together as we close Father God Lord thank you for how much you love us thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship Lord thank you for just an opportunity to celebrate the ministry that you're doing. Lord, would you help us as a church family? Would you help us to grow? Would you help us to, to really take these opportunities in following you? Lord, would you help us to really learn how to use the tool of prayer? To learn how to use the right tool for the job in our neighborhood, which is to be praying. To be praying. And to be praying. That we might then invite people to you. So Lord, we're asking for your help. We need your help. We need you to lead us. And I'm praying this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen.